My name is Chandelin. I am a mother, an artist, a recovering addict, and this podcast is part of my endless pursuit of breakthroughs. Hello, everybody. What's up? Hi. Thank you for joining us. So Brennan is here, and his wife Carrie is here. I am. Yes. I am here. It's pandemonium. Yeah, it's (laughs) exciting. (laughs) I think that this episode is going to be very powerful. Um, It is kind of uh, a vulnerable thing to talk about, at least on on my behalf. Um, When you share from a place of vulnerability... There's much to be had and much to be said there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you were uh, you were telling us um, about some um, treatment or some therapy that you had that was like there again. It was some sort of breakthrough, and you wanted to talk about it on the podcast. And so I asked you about it earlier, and and you're like, yeah, let's uh, let's do that. So, yeah. what what uh, it was it had some specific name, right? Like the rapid resolution therapy. Okay. So it's like a it's a newer therapy, and I've done. A lot of therapies. I was recommended um, EMDR therapy by Richie, and I was doing that, and I didn't feel um, like it did what he had claimed it was going to do. Maybe it works differently for everybody. So when I was going to to contact this therapist, I was like, ah, this is just going to be another thing I'm going to mm-hmm. try, and it's not going to work, but I'm kind of desperate, so I'm willing to try pretty much anything, and I had prayed before I, I, I had contacted this guy, this therapist, like a month and a half before I ended up praying, and then nothing ever came of it because I didn't like quite follow through, and we were really spotty about texting. And uh, I texted him and say, ha- said, hey, are you available for a quick call? And I prayed, and I said, God, if it's, if it's so and this is going to help me, um, have him reach out. And he called within like a minute of me praying that. And it was weird because mm-hmm. he was so spotty with his responses before this. Like he would take days to respond so that the fact that he called me within like a minute was pretty crazy. And I'm like, all right, I'm on. I'm going to try it. Yeah. yeah. And we started there. Mm-hmm. What was, not to backtrack, but I'm curious, what was the, uh, what was the other one that you said? The other one, the other? EMDR therapy. So what um, could you like maybe talk High a little bit about? movement uh, I, I would have to look it up exactly what it stands for. But basically, it is supposed to, claims to activate the part of your brain that is activated during REM sleep, your very deep mm-hmm. sleep, and you reprocess the way you you look at past traumas or, or situations that have occurred. But while I was doing the EMDR therapy, it was one of the worst times of like mm-hmm. my life. And I was, I think that I wasn't like my brain actually wasn't stable enough to um, have any type of se- successful therapy mm. at that point. Like I was just mm. too far gone for yeah. anything to really get through to me or work. Um, so I think uh, now if I tried it again in my position, uh, I could see how it would be beneficial. It does make you think about your past experiences very differently. Like you do have a new perspective, but it wasn't enough to pull me out of the darkness I was in, if that sure. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, mm-hmm. I could think about it differently, but I still want to like die. Right, so right. how's yeah. this going to help? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How, so, uh, how long ago was that, that you tried that one? A little over a year ago. Probably, okay. probably a, well, I started it like a year ago. Let's see. I can't piece time together. Well, time is not a good thing for me. 
Um, I don't remember a lot of things. But, uh, yeah, I was doing it for, like, I started a year ago. I I was doing it for several months, and he ended up diagnosing me with DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, which is a nicer word for multiple personality disorder. Mm. And so there's this me that's here present talking to you guys, the sarcastic kind of funny fun-loving one that's weird, right? Sure. But there's also this very uh, different part of me. I don't name my other personality. You know, part of me doesn't even believe it exists. Part of me thinks it's demon possession. Um, But I look different. I speak differently when Mm -hmm. I'm in that state. Um, I can barely move my body. Like Mm -hmm. all of my energy has gone out of my body. Uh, Can barely keep my eyes open. It's, It's crazy. I got one video of myself in that dark state. Um, But that's what was happening to me for Mm -hmm. like that period of time I told you about, like around the fall of 2019, I think it was, yeah. Uh, Yeah, the fall of 2019, all the way up until like the fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember like, again, I guess with DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, a lot of your memories are blanked out. You don't remember a lot of things. And and it made a lot of sense because I guess Richie, when we were just friends like years ago, came and stayed at my house and like got snowed in at my house and stayed overnight. I don't, I have no recollection of this. Or like I will find clothes in my dresser, like straight up. And I'm, I'm accusing Richie of cheating on me. Like that's how far I've gone. Hmm. Having no recollection of buying them. But then, you know, my mom will say, yeah, that's yours. Like, it's weird things like that. So a lot of my childhood is clearly non-remembered, but especially my my teen years and when I would get in these states, because this did happen to me before. Like mm-hmm. my mom got me, tried to get me hospitalized for this. Like it was, but I don't remember what I was like back then. So going through it, it felt like this whole new experience this past year, right? Mm-hmm. And then it all started piecing back to me that this has happened to me for like a very Mm. long time. And my therapist is crazy. He said uh, um, he reached out to like his higher up because he had never heard like where I was telling him, describing to him like where this part of me was born from. And so it's a whole long story, but it was from a spiritual place and I was seeing shadow figures and all these things all the time that I thought to myself as a little kid, if I became like the dark, I wouldn't be like afraid of it anymore. Mm, and if mm-hmm. I could just like make peace with, with whatever these entities were, then I would be safe and protected from it. Make a long story short, he's like, I don't know if you have DID or if you're demon possessed and this man does not believe in any of that. Like mm-hmm. he, and mm. he said, I, I'm going to reach out to like a priest and talk to them and maybe describe this because I don't know what to do because mm-hmm. he was like witnessing me right. going through this. And as you can see, it's very not like me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I pretty much like fight however I can to avoid that ever happening to me again. Mm. And it's been several months since I've gone dark. That's why I call it like my, that's my dark mm. personality instead of giving it like a name like, oh, that's Shelby. You know, it's like, right. no, that's right. the dark. So that's why I do all these therapies and like listen to my sermons and anything I can. Because when you're in that state, when I'm in that state, there is no hope, there is no light, there is no joy, there's nothing, nothing that exists that makes life worthy of living. And I can't describe it 
if they're all all the terrible awful things you could imagine like just pack that into sentences describing what this is like um destitute of god mm. separate mm. from yeah. anything i don't yeah. know and it's yeah i just so that's why i ended up trying the therapy <laughs> yeah but yeah. it was for different reasons that i was trying this therapy cuz clearly i'm not in that dark state anymore and you guys yeah. probably see a difference in me and um especially Richie does and my nanny and um my my kids obviously cuz they're living with me so yeah but now yeah. it's just trying to undo all the things that might be that might have caused that right and that's mm. where i'm at do you yeah. think um there's a um there's a meme that kind of circulates around sometimes it's like um you know well, I, I guess there are several memes that kind of circulate around about music and how it has healing powers and things. So do you think that is that part of, you know, what you get from doing music? 100%. Like we've never had this conversation. Oh, before, oh 100%. There, in that state, in that dark state, there is no creative force. There's There's nothing. There's nothing with purpose, right? And when I'm writing music, it opens up like I believe, you know, obviously God is the ultimate creator and we reflect God because you said you were made in my image. And what is the one thing like God really loves to do besides loving is creating. And mm -hmm. I think when you're in a creative state, like there's something spiritual about that, supernatural yeah. about mm -hmm. that. It's not just, a, oh, music is my therapy and it heals my soul. Like, no, if you think about the nature of a creator, the creator himself, you know, you kind of aligning and, and creating things, you must be, there must be a connection there. Yeah. You can feel it if you do music or maybe you like writing or maybe you like building birdhouses and you're creating something, whatever it is that's creating something in this reality is powerful. And yeah. then it's just crazy. You can mm -hmm. like create stuff, you know, you yeah. can right. change the world forever. It will never be the same. Like right. this thought used to fascinate me. I probably already told you this when I was like a little kid. We'd be, my mom would be driving down the road and I would just look at the trees and I'm like thinking my mom could just pull off the road and I could go over and like break a stick and it'd be forever broken. And it was the most mind blowing, but simple mm. concept all at the same time mm -hmm. that you can change the very nature of the reality around you, not just to break things, but like create things that need burst into this place, right? If you think about the nature of your existence, the purpose behind it is for you to birth something into this reality before right. you leave it and right music it's like i haven't we have i should say intention behind this music it's not just because oh i love doing it like right right mm -hmm. there's an intention that this is going to heal somebody or this is going to do something that i'm not even aware it might do for them mm -hmm. but i know it's going to be something they need um, well so i kind of yeah. i kind of feel like that with the podcast as well because i feel like you know, because um, like I feel that way about creating things like uh, content, um, different forms of content, um, mostly audio, obviously, because of the studio and different things like that, um, some video and stuff. But um, like I feel like that's what's exciting about podcasting, too, is that you're able to take even just a conversation and create something mm -hmm. um, that has some sort of value, to, hopefully to somebody else. Um, but yeah, I w I'm always fascinated by by music in that way. Um, there's like a Tom Petty quote that's like, it's the only true magic in the world or something, whatever, however he says it, mm -hmm. you know. But um but yeah, so so how did this um how did this new therapy like differ from you know from the previous thing that you had tried? 
well, again, different mental state. I don't know, like, if he was doing hypnosis. He did a two-and-a-half-hour session with me. Normally, it's an hour session for any therapy. And he starts out with this whole monologue explaining what his intention is mm-hmm. and how he wants me to feel after this therapy. And it was kind of boring. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are you describing all these details? And I don't know if he was trying to put me in a very bored, trance-like state. Um, this or sounds like a he, recording session. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Well, well, I guess he does like conferences or like seminars or something like that. So yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. it was an hour in of him thoroughly explaining this, and I'm like, this is was what it like a waste of was money? It super duper like science talk type stuff, or like pretty much and how the subconscious is... mind works. And normally I'd be okay. interested, but I was upstairs in my house and it was freezing. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I wasn't able to like leave the session to go get a coat. And you guys know how I am yeah, about yeah. like being cold. And then I want to smoke a cigarette. And I'm like, ah, I'm cold and I want to smoke. And Is this a, like a telehelp type yeah, thing? So yeah, it's over. Oh, the, sure. So it's on yeah, Zoom or yeah. something. Yeah. And so I was, uh, I was like, dude, an hour's gone by, and you've oh, you've thoroughly explained this. I don't know if I need this much explanation. <laughs> then something started to happen. He's describing like these. Vivid images he wants me to get in my mind, and he's having me like close my eyes and imagine certain things. And he's saying about the how the past doesn't exist, and how even a moment ago doesn't exist. And and I'm starting to think about what he's saying. And then he's explaining to me how he was abused by a man when he was seven, and how the man was assaulting him, and as the man's fist was in his face. And, like, his face was bleeding, and he said, but he never touched me. Like, he never violated me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, are you your hand? And I said, no. Are you your leg? No. Are you your feelings? No. Are you the thoughts you're thinking right now? No. Then what are you, right? Mm -hmm. And that means that nobody has ever touched you, violated you, or even seen you. Mm. If you're if you're something separate from the body, the the feelings and the thoughts, that that means there's there's something more. You are the consciousness plugged into this body that somebody can't actually violate. Mm. So I, I'm I'll explain what I did therapy on after. But he said there is he's given me this mental image. And he said there's this little dark girl, she's you know, young, seven, eight years old, and she's walking down the street. And these two men with, um, you know, a Confederate flag or whatever on their truck drive up to her and start throwing rocks at her, right? Mm-hmm. And she runs away crying, thinking that there's something wrong with being black and that there's something wrong with her. And he said, now, as a rational human being, would you walk away saying there's something wrong with her? Or would you say there's something wrong with the two men that did it? Well, it's a clear no-brainer, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Of course, there's something wrong with the two men. And he's explaining all this, like what has happened to you had nothing to do with who you inherently are. This is, this is everything to do with a separate being from you, right? And that those experiences couldn't steal your light or your joy or any of these things. And it, it sounds so simple the way I'm explaining it, mm. but it wasn't. It was like, it was, an, it was one of the biggest breakthroughs I've ever had in my whole life. Um, so anyways, I wasn't doing therapy on like sexual trauma or anything like that. Um, I was doing it because when I was 19, um, you know, I, I was with this man who I adored and he was 
30 and that should have been a red flag and I'm not going to go into the whole scenario but we were going to get married and he wanted to plan on having a baby with me I don't even want babies because I'm a weirdo and like I'm a weird mom now I would say a good mom but a weird mom and I was vulnerable with him um I'd never loved anybody as much as I loved him and I completely and blindly trusted him I was like this is one person that could never hurt me and I had this dream when I was with him a few months into the relationship that I was holding this one-year-old baby and he's the baby's looking at me and I'm looking at the baby and there's just brokenness in his eyes and I, I could see myself in the dream and we're like both crying in the corner of this apartment and I knew that my ex wasn't there. And I woke up that morning and I told him, I had the most vivid dream that you were going to leave me like when I had your your child and he's like that dream was from the devil you need to cast mm -hmm. that out in the name of jesus all this stuff right mm -hmm. well a few months go by and you know um come to find out he was everything i ever feared he was and you know the day i come back to to my apartment um that we were going to reconcile we spent a couple of days apart because we had a little minor argument and we both were taking breathers he tells me come back he loves me so much I come back to all his stuff packed and he packed my stuff and he's asking me to take him to his new girlfriend's house. Oh. I'm like, what is, what is going? And like, this is a weird, like the rug ripped out, right? Yeah. It's not even the worst part. So like I freak out, I get my guns and my dog and I just, my whole reality shattered. The next morning I wake up, I throw up. I'm like, no, please. <laughs> like of all things that could happen, not this. And I have my little brother go to the store and get me a pregnancy test, and it's positive. And then he goes and gets me another one. It's positive. And then the third one, it's positive. And, like, the world stops for me. Mm. It doesn't work anymore. I don't see anything the same anymore. And I hadn't since a couple weeks ago. But, you know, I told my ex, hey, I am pregnant. And he's like, well, that's not mine, and you're not mine anymore. And every day I'd go into work because we work together still. Like, he would be laughing at me, like laughing at me, and I don't know why, and I'll never understand it except for he is a separately, a separate being from me that is just probably not good, right? Mm, yeah. And I had to go through that. There's a multitude more that ended up occurring, but he's met my son once, Um and that was in like child support court where he was only ordered to pay me like $30 a month. And now oh he doesn't gosh. have to pay me at all. Mm. But uh, he's sitting next to me and my son and, and he leans over and he's like, does he knew, know who I am? I was like, no, why would he? Like, yeah. right. and, and that's the only time he's ever seen him. He's never talked to him. He, I guess he, he has his own things going on in his life. But uh, so I've carried around this like one okay so you live in a world where you're fully and blindly trusting of another human being and you're very you just you, you have that level of vulnerability and that in this world you think that only certain things are possible but anything outside of those parameters are, are not possible right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you have this type of experience and the world you lived in crumbles and shatters and a new one exists where everything is possible mm -hmm. but specifically terrible things are possible. Mm. So I have lived for the last eight years in a state of any man I have been with, which has been Johnny and, and Richie, um, Johnny being my ex, 
that this is what they're going to do to me inevitably. And it's only a matter of time. So I need to make sure I view them as an enemy in my life. So that way I can have my guard up to protect myself from this thing happening. Right. Mm. And so, especially over the last few months with like Richie and I mean, this destroyed my relationship with my ex. So like a lot of this, just, I, I didn't care how I made him feel. I thought he was going to be just like, my other ex and I just I did not treat him well and I I um I don't want to be with him by any means but I regret how I treated him I did not have a lot of consideration mm. for how he felt um because I I viewed him like an enemy and sure. I started really really doing that with Richie Richie is um really irresponsible kind of inconsiderate about how other people feel sometimes like he's great you know publicly and helps a lot of people personally not very cleanly all of these things like he doesn't clean the house and stuff but he, Richie fundamentally with the way he's interacted with me in many ways has probably been better than anybody else has treated me mm-hmm. in certain ways as far as um I don't even know. I I don't ever go into like too much detail on our relationship like publicly. But um he he's always considered me and heard me and seen me and he didn't view me as an enemy like my past ex did and there just have been many things that if I've been in a time of need he's helped me even though I don't like being in a position where I have to rely on other people. There are a lot of good things about him. A lot of really irritating things about him, but there are a lot of good things about him that I don't think most people would end up knowing because he doesn't get close to other people. That's a thing for him. But I started like doing this to him, but like badly. Mm-hmm. So that over suspicion and that just any small thing he did, I would react really badly to because he, in my mind, he's got to be my enemy. Because mm-hmm. if I start loving him, then I'm going to be vulnerable and this is going to happen to me again. And then the one thing I took away from that happening to me and being pregnant in that situation was I am I was stupid for not looking and seeing if there were signs and just being so blindly trusting. And I told myself, like I literally told myself, I will never let my guard down ever again. Like, you know, the cliche, oh, she's got walls, you know, there's just like, let your walls down. Like, no, straight up. There, there's been nobody that has surpassed those walls in the past eight years. So we're doing this therapy. And he's going through some hypnotherapy. And, you know, he said, like, you can essentially live your life in a state of paralyzing expectation that the worst is going to happen. But in either reality, you're in the reality, right? So here I am with Richie, or if it would have been anybody else, there are two possible realities. One where he's loving and he would never harm me in those ways and he would never cheat on me or he would never whatever. And then there's another reality where he is all of those things. Mm. But I am the fundamental, pivotal thing in there. Like, I'm still existing in this one reality where there are two possibilities, right? So no matter what I do, if I'm existing in this one reality where there are two possibilities, I can't change what is going to happen, nor can I determine what the future Mm -hmm. is. So I can live in the reality where I'm in this paralyzing fear and expectation all the time and like hyper vigilant about what he's doing and who he's talking to and where he's going and what's his next business move and all these things. 
having no effect on the reality mm. that I'm in, except for maybe it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'll push him away enough to like, mm. you know, whatever. Right. Or I live in the reality where I say, you know what? I trust you and I love you until you give me a reason not to. And if you give me that reason not to, it has nothing to do with me and mm. everything to do with you. Yeah. This right. means nothing about myself because I walked away from that life experience with my ex being pregnant that this meant something about me. And mm. it was because I was stupid and I was naive and I was trusting and I never should have been. And I made that experience mean so many awful things about me when it literally had nothing to do with me. Mm. Mm. So now I'm choosing to live in the reality where I am trusting him. And if he ever gives me a reason not to or does these things... Well, well, I get you never touched me. You never violated me. I'm something you can't touch. Mm. I'm something you can't see. So I get to take me away and you get to take you're awful, whatever you are away. But it it can't. Mm. What can you do to harm me? Right. So anyways, that was a long winded, but that's why I ended up learning. No, no. I uh, had a thought there. It's like um, I know that um, something that came to mind was when sometimes when like bad things happen or you get into a bad relationship thing, whether it's like, cause we were talking about just business stuff earlier, business and um, relationships like Carrie and I do stuff. This happens with Carrie and I all the time. Carrie didn't know she's coming into a, um, I know I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like, no, like what, what ends up happening is um, sometimes when you get into to like uh, a situation that's like painful, um, you um, like I, I tend to read some books a lot of times that are like you know take pre- uh, personal responsibility for your actions and like I'm hundred percent believe that to be true. However, um, there are times when, like you said, like when you haven't done anything and then you put it on yourself and and mm-hmm. then it becomes a thing. And I know Carrie gets defensive sometimes about things oh, that yeah. that like. Um, you know, like she, she, like nothing bad happens, but then she puts it on herself, you know? That'd like, be like the little girl having rocks thrown at her. Mm-hmm. That's what you walk away with, right? Right. Like yeah. I was a little girl. You, mm-hmm. you were the little girl, but it meant nothing about you. Right. It's the craziest thing when you actually yeah. finally get it and it makes sense. You just realize like everything now, instead of turning the mirror inwards and seeing, okay, this is a list of me, I turn it outwards mm-hmm. and I, I I look at others and make sure that there's that separation between them and myself. I know who I am and I'm pretty sure, sure. if you sat down with yourself, you'd know who yeah. you are. So you can apply what applies to you, but you also have to separate what's separate from you. And that's the position I was in for a long time is just taking all these other things and saying this means something Mm. about me. This means something about me. This is clearly something about me and how I'm not worthy or good enough or how I I deserve to have these things happen to me because I did this in the past. And like I would just loop and loop and loop and my brain never stopped. Uh, Yeah, I mean, no, I mean. I'm looking at Carrie because it sounds like. uh, Oh, I burped. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like Gary. Like I'm. I don't mean to. I'm not throwing you into the conversation if you don't want to be. But no, no. I mean it's fine. No, I mean it's it's fine. I mean I get uh, like you said. I get very defensive. Like I'm quick to to get defensive and think that everything is an attack on me mm-hmm. or whatever. Because I mean I can. I mean I can think of um, situations in the past that I've that I've found myself in that um, 
be it work, be it um, friendships, you know, whatever, where, um, you know, I was just treated poorly, you know. I mean, I was just treated poorly. No, I mean, I wasn't, you know, left no pregnant or, you know. Your but, own stuff is your but, own stuff. It's painful. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's a case of, you know, I, I had a boss who was very publicly, like, humiliating, like, would, would uh, you know, give me such a hard time in the middle of, uh, um, my, in the middle of my place of work. I don't want to say where it was, <laughs> uh, but like she would, she would come out, she would walk right up to, to me. And then in a lobby full of people would tell me that I was very obviously doing something wrong. Like I was very obviously doing something wrong. And that has, and I've taken that, uh, into other jobs. Like I took that into my job after that. And my boss at that time, who is like the, one of the sweetest, best people I know was like, I, I don't know how to tell you that you're not doing anything wrong, that Mm -hmm. you're not like, you're doing a great job because I would, I would screw just the tiniest little thing up. And I would go into her office and just so upset and just so like, I'm so sorry, you're, you're probably going to fire me. I'm so sorry. And she'd go, why, why would you like, mm-hmm. this is an easy fix. This isn't anything, you know, major that you need to, you know, uh, you know, to be concerned about. And then, and, and coming from a different place with, with Brennan, cause Brennan and I work together. I don't work uh, anywhere besides here. When he asks me to do something or, or critiques whatever I'm doing, like whatever I'm doing, like I immediately, and and God love him, like he is a very patient man, but I get defensive because I feel like I'm patient not. Patient sometimes, sometimes I, sometimes I <laughs> am not patient. Yeah, well, <laughs> but he, then he has to deal with my backlash towards him because then I feel like, well, I, I am doing a good job and I, I am like, I'm doing my best and I'm doing the best that I can. And you're telling me that I'm doing something completely different and I'm just doing something wrong and it's not good enough for you and it's not good enough. And then I just get, it's like a spiral. It's Mm -hmm. like the same thing that you were saying. Yeah. And so, and, and that's something like I'm, I'm fully aware of and I'm, I'm working on, (laughs) I'm working on some things because those are, I mean, those are just things that I, you know, you know, and it has nothing to do with like, and he, and he has said, I don't know how to tell you, like I'm, this critique has nothing to do with you or the job you're doing. I just think that we can do this differently. And like, that's what a team does. That's what what people who work together, like, and him and my last boss that, you know, have both said like, what this person did to you has nothing to do with you and everything to do with with her and her insecurities in her job. Mm-hmm. Like it has everything to do with her and she's no longer at that job anymore. In fact, I don't know that she's working anywhere anymore. Um, it has nothing to do with, with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with her and, and, and what she was concerned with. And, and in that particular job, like I had clients that liked me. I had clients that wanted to be with, you know, wanted me to take care of them. Not, you know, not, not her. And so it wasn't a case of, you know, you need to, it, it's not, it's not me. And so it's like you said, like turning that, turning that mirror around and saying like, you know, it's not this list of things that Carrie's doing wrong. You it's, know, you know, it's, you know, and it's, and it's not, 
going through that list. And and it's not healthy to to go down the list of things that's wrong with her either. Like that's not my place to. But at like the same time, attack, like, you don't want to constantly be begrudging other people at the same right. time. But you know, like actually, as as Carrie was talking about this, we were actually talking about something similar to this earlier, Shanda. Where we were talking about. Um, and, and I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But, like, you know, sometimes, like, in years of doing music and different things, um, I was in a a, a, a band and uh, and we had done some pretty some pretty neat things that we got to do. Mm. But um, – and this affected Carrie also. I mean, yeah. I know that, like, because we um, – the, the band was almost like family to us, you know. And, um, and then – at some point, you know, you know, the band broke up. I mean, more or less, I won't get into all the details, but the band broke up. And then um, those relationships were completely destroyed um, and fractured. And I think that for a long time, I know that I felt like this for a long time, like I, I specifically like retreated into myself thinking that like I did something wrong or that, you know, it, at first I was like, at first I was like, I didn't do anything wrong, and this is um, I'm I'm um, processing what you're saying that I did, you know. Um, but then it turned from like um, it turned from f- from me from that position to then I turned it on myself, and then I just like was internalizing everything. And I know Carrie did the same thing. She's mm. just like totally taking in everything, and um, and, and it just became it became hard to like move past the point where I was like, okay. But like we were, we were basically like what happened was we were basically in a band that we were able to, um, you know, accomplish some of our dreams and some of our goals, and then it fell apart, and and our relationships fell apart, and I can kind of see it for what it is um, now. But it, we used to just blame our, like, talk endlessly about it. You know, it just felt so, um, and not necessarily just like an anger that you know, not even necessarily like I don't even think it was necessarily like. It was almost just questioning all the time, like, what's wrong with me or why do I have, you know, what did I do that mm-hmm. was so bad, you know, to like, because nothing, to be fair, like nothing major like actually happened. Like we just like, you know, it, it just was I, a painful I, experience. I was going to say, I would, there were some pretty major things there that, that happened. Yeah, but I mean like and I was saying I'm not gonna throw I'm not, not gonna throw them on the bus on a podcast. That, no, no, but I'm I just mean you know. like not they weren't major things like and, and I know we're not comparing, but I'm just saying like they weren't major things. Like nobody was abused, nobody um you know, overdose. Nobody backstabbed anybody. I don't ever want you guys to think that your experiences aren't valid just no, because no, they're not. No, no, no. I don't, no. It, it, there's yeah, there's no range. I no. think when we have a painful experience, it opens up a part of ourselves that is very willing to internalize things mm. because we're trying to find a reason when pain happens, right? Yeah. I think that's what it really is. So the very painful experience happens. You, we as human beings, we we survive off of reasoning. So there's got to be a reason, and I'm not getting a reason from this other party that's mm. yelling at me at my work or the band that is projecting or whatever they're doing or my ex that's doing. They're they're not responsive. They're not they're not giving this meaning. So I have to right and. 
if I have to, then I have to make a story. Well, I've got to involve myself in how there's something wrong with me. That way I can make sure I don't perform these behaviors again to have this happen to me again. So if I know what's wrong with me, then I can fix that or shield myself or shield other people from seeing that part of me. And then I'm just creating all these reasons and these stories because A, I need it to have meaning and B, I need to protect myself from having it happen again. And then we get in these positions where we take it to an extreme internalize it so much that we end up then projecting when somebody calls out anything that is mm. that 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 wound is surrounded right so if that here's the experience we put up a wall or a, of this part of ourselves we told ourselves is bad right so here's here's the wall here's the reason here's this ow this sore place and if you say something about if Richie would call on the fact that I may um I may be creating scenarios that aren't real. This sore, tender part of me that's trying to protect me instantly would lash out and say, no, and I know this This is definitely what you're doing because this sore part of me is trying to protect me and it has a story. This sore part of me has a story because mm-hmm. it doesn't want it to happen to me again. But we go to extremes of extreme internalizing, hating ourselves, thinking there's something wrong with us, to then flipping a switch where Anytime anybody brings up any any kind of anything around that tender spot, we attack mm. because we've we've got to keep this this broken part safe and protected because we haven't figured out the reason yet. We haven't right. figured out a story to tell it, the real story to tell it, so that it has peace, right? right? So this therapy gave me that that story that this had nothing to do with me, and when you, like when you really internalize that and change the story you told yourself in the beginning that there was something wrong with me to now, well, it had nothing to do with me. It's not sore anymore. And the wall goes away because I have nothing to defend and I I don't need a story to tell myself anymore. I don't need something to protect myself from. Could it happen? Sure, fine. But if it did, is it anything to do with me? No. And I think we, we need to like... It took me turning in again on myself and instead of looking at all the reasons that were wrong with me or there was, you know, all of these stories, it was just looking at that that hurt part of myself and acknowledging it and saying, hey, I, I see that you're there and that you feel like you were wounded, but I wanted, I want you to know that had nothing to do with you. And when then, then when the thoughts start coming in, for me, with, with the insecurities, well, Rich, you must be doing this or something must be going on, all of these things, He's explaining this to me. He gives me a scenario. He's doing hypnotherapy at the same time. And he said, close your eyes. And you could do it too. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really powerful exercise. So you close your eyes. You, ima- you imagine that you're at um, a restaurant. And this very attractive waiter comes up. And you know, you're standing there. And you look down at your plate. And to the right of your plate, you have three forks and three spoons. And you're, okay, you got your favorite meal here, three forks, three spoons. Here's the waiter, and he reaches in to his apron and hands you another fork. And you take the fork and you say, thank you for the unnecessary fork, but I don't need it, right? Hmm. When a thought comes in once you had the breakthrough that this had nothing to do with me, you say, thank you for the unnecessary thought, but I don't need that because the Mm. thought is trying to feed a story that no longer should exist or no longer benefits you. If you can acknowledge that the way you're thinking is 
is not protecting you from anything. It's actually causing harm and damage and you're lashing out and doing all of these things. If you can at least acknowledge that, then you can open yourself up that maybe there's a new way of thinking about this, but you got to feed the new way of thinking the right thoughts, right? Otherwise, this they're, the thoughts are going to fester and they're going to go back into the old story because that's mm. what they know and that's they're trying to keep you safe mm-hmm. when in reality it's actually doing the opposite. So anytime I have the thoughts start to trickle in, um, he's going to do something. You need to be watching. You need to be on guard. Mm. I will literally say to myself, thank you for the unnecessary thought, but I don't need it. Right. And I realize I'm safe in this moment. And again, if he did, it has nothing to do with me. I'm, st- I'm valuable. I know what I am. I've got light inside, a light nobody can touch, see, taste, harm, violate. Like right. there's something powerful about that. So it's maybe sitting with yourself and going back through and acknowledging your boss was probably in a like a lot of weird pain to be projecting as mm, hard as she mm-hmm. was. And I guarantee it's because she felt terrible about herself and wasn't able to turn the mirror in and look at that tender part of herself and like sit and listen to it and give it a new story. Yeah. Um, and it's acknowledging that and then really, like really internalizing right. this was separate from me and remembering the story about the little girl with the rocks being thrown at her. If you would do her the service of acknowledging that had nothing to do with her, well, why wouldn't you to yourself? And if there's a reason there that you wouldn't to yourself, then there's something more to look at. You know what I mean? Right. And then providing a new story, the real story, the reality. And Mm. once you kind of combat your stories that you tell yourself in your head that things might be going on, I am this way, when you combat it with reality, it's kind of like the story doesn't know what to do with mm-hmm. itself. Right. Right. So you just continue filtering out thoughts that would feed that story. Right. And just stopping it. Thank you for the right. unnecessary thought, but I don't need it. Right. Yeah. It's right. powerful. Like right. you just yeah. stop it right yeah. when it starts and yeah. your, your brain is like, what? Well, like I just provided this wonderful thought to yeah. you and you just, what? <laughs> you Taking away it. its power, yeah. Right. It stops it. Yeah. Well, and it's a, it's allowing that that uh, that wound to heal. It's allowing that wound to take the time to, to because wounds, whenever, whenever dealt with properly, whenever taken care of, they will heal. And you might end up, I, I, I have a little scar. I don't even know where it's at. Right? Oh, it's right here. I have a little scar on my hand. I, I, cut myself doing dishes one time and it hurt like the dickens like uh, you the know dickens. like <laughs> <laughs> it, it hurts so, <laughs> so bad whenever it That's whenever a it happens vernacular. yeah yeah sorry <laughs> it is well i'm an old lady we talk about my old lady <laughs> my old yeah, lady vision all the old. time so <laughs> but but it hurt so bad when it happened and it and it 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 you know, it hurt. I couldn't move my finger right for a few weeks. Like I couldn't, you know, whatever. Probably should have had and stitches. So but. yeah, I probably should have gone and had stitches. But I took care of it for a few weeks. I took care of it. I I made sure that it didn't get infected, that it didn't whatever. But it eventually healed over. And I have a little scar there. Like I have a little scar. And it like and on occasion you'll be reminded of that 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 time, that thing, you know, but ultimately it's not a wound anymore. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's nothing that can, you know, penetrate that anymore. And so whenever you, whenever you face those, those thoughts, those thoughts, those things, those, you know, whenever you face, you know, this terrible thing that happened to you, whenever you face, you know, with your, with your ex and whenever you face these terrible things with the band and whenever I face 
you know, work stuff or whatever, like it's, it's not a, it can't, it can't, it has no power anymore. Like it's a closed wound. It's nothing more than. Well, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Right. Right. And it might, you know. But, but I mean, this is what he nailed in my head. Like it, yeah, doesn't, it exist. doesn't exist. The it's Civil not War happened, but it doesn't exist. It's right, not, right. It's not. So, a, it's not in present day. Like this is not a thing it does right not now. Exist. It does not exist. And it's in the past. It's it cannot harm you anymore. Like it cannot. You know. Yeah, I think like I think at the heart of that, just like letting go of your past, which is way easier said than done. Mm. But I mean, just letting go. We you know had talked about that a little bit earlier too because. Um, yeah, it's hard to just let go of things like that, you know, and you just have to, like you said, you just have to work through, um, the process of letting it go. Well, you got to give it a different story, a different meaning because those things don't just go away, right? Like there has to be, our our minds work with storytelling. We storytell constantly. Like we, we, we have to give a reason to everything, Mm -hmm. right? And you have to create a new story. So that way when your whatever has brought this up again you have a new story that you're you're replacing with with the one you had it can't just be a this goes away this you know like yes the past does not exist because it doesn't exist in this moment but what was before i've changed the story mm. uh, about it right so anytime your 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 thoughts are like reaching back in the little bookcase the, the little library of your mind they can't pull out that book anymore because it's it's not there they pull out a different story and it's really sitting down with yourself and understanding clearly what that story is what what is the meaning of this what did i make this mean about me was i meant to make it mean anything about me um, and really getting clear on those things and then being firm when the thoughts start to come up again. Thank you for the unnecessary thought, but I don't need it mm. because I have a different story and that thought doesn't feed into the story because it's not reality. Um, mm. It's crazy. Once you really get clear, you see things clear. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. It's a clarity I've, I'm, I can't recall ever having before. So, so is this like a, a therapy that you're going to go back and do more for? Are you going to do more sessions of it, or is it like a one-time thing? For smoking or? cigarettes, yes. I'm going to do a couple of sec- uh, sessions to be able to to quit um, once I'm, I'm firm in like a week or two um, that I'm fully on board with doing it because he's got a whole special way of doing it. But with the trauma-type therapies um, that he's doing or that RRT therapists do, it usually takes like – one to three sessions at the most, mm-hmm. like one being the ideal. It's not an ongoing therapy. That's it. It's like what, usually one, two breakthrough sessions, and that's it. You're not mm. going to be going to the therapist for months or years, um, and that's what's really powerful about it. That's how you know it's working for people that can walk away like me after one session, yeah, two-and-a-half-hour session, and it totally changed the way I viewed mm. everything. Yeah. Um, so... Um, one more time. What is what is this called? Rapid resolution therapy. Rapid resolution therapy. You can Google it. Go on their website. Literally, it should be rapidresolutiontherapy.com, and you can schedule a consultation. Um, it's a couple hundred dollars per session. But again, you're only doing it once or twice mm-hmm. instead of an ongoing therapy. And I would 100% say that it's worth every penny. And I was willing to try because mm-hmm. I was being consumed by mm-hmm. these thoughts nonstop. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you're really desperate like I was and you have 
certain things you really need a new story to or you need a breakthrough to, this would be the place he deals with sexual trauma, um, PTSD from war veterans. Mm. One to two sessions. And they don't mm. have flashbacks. They like it radically. Wow. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's crazy. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Breakthroughs with me, Shanda Lynn. Make sure that wherever you're listening to your podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, that you subscribe to my podcast and check us out every Wednesday at 5 a.m. We'll have a new episode. Thank you for being here.